Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letizia. with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at RayHunt84. Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. It's with the greatest respect. Oh, nice, lovely. I feel physically sick, literally sick. I I could be sick. Lovely. Welcome back to another episode of In That Number. This is episode 182. Uh, Back to reality, indeed. Seller signs on to the end of the season, and as if by magic, we're back into the ways of the previous regimes. Today, we will chat all things Ruben Sellers and go over his first official game in charge. A very disappointing game against Leeds. Nothing to offer at all. Spent the majority of the game trying to keep it nil-nil, and those individual errors crept in again. Premier League status is dwindling, and there's only 14 games to go. 
Tim will be here to go over both games in the upcoming week as we return home. Firstly, against Grimsby Town in the FA Cup fifth round. Then the Saturday late night game against Leicester. Both games in front of the TV cameras. Uh, but firstly, let's bring in the Moscow mush, Kevin Milverton. Kevin, I hope you're hungover today. I, I feel hungover and I have no idea why. <laughs> um, I, I had a pint of beer when I was watching the football yesterday and that was about it. So I should be, shouldn't feel hungover, but, um, but I do. Just something before we get going. I know I pronounced it Ruben Seles, and I know that's actually pronounced Seyes, but I'm... Uh, I'm yeah, see, G- Gary Lineker got it right on Match of the Day. I told you he spoke Spanish. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm going to call him Seles because it feels more natural, <laughs> and I'm English. That's fine. So, yes, uh, so if you do uh, think I'm doing it wrong, yes, I am, but I know I'm doing it wrong. I'll try and make it right. Thank it's, it's Bednarek, by the way. No, pass it on. I, did, I do say Bednarek. We say Bednarik on this, but everyone ever calls him Bednarik. See they? Tim doesn't. Well, you know, we're, we're well schooled here. <laughs> I went to high school with a guy, or grew up with a guy named Bednarik. It was a lot easier for me to pronounce it. Pronounce it. Good, good. Did he scroll up the phone goals? <laughs> no. Um, but he was he quite feisty and uh, was not afraid to tell people like it was. But um, anyway, yeah, before we get going uh, with the, the main part, I just want to share that. Well, obviously, you know, the sad news about John Motson and yeah, just um, awful, awful news. I was really cut up about it, actually. It was, um, yeah, it hit yeah. me quite hard and I wasn't expecting it to, but it did. You know, it just a uh, great professional. And looking back at all the tributes, Kev, it, it makes it even sadder, doesn't it? Because some of the goals that I hold deeply, you know, you look at them back and think, wow, what a goal. I remember that voiced by him. And, you know, they wouldn't have been the same. I wouldn't have had the same feeling if it wasn't him, I guess. So, yeah, just lots of memories. And it's it, he is the voice of football for me growing up. I, I you know, he was the first one. So, yeah, I mean, he's the, he's my all time favourite commentator. And yeah, like you said, he's just, he's just uh, so nice with football. Uh, Motti, and didn't they do some sort of scientific analysis and found that he had the perfect voice to be a football commentator? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't uh, know that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's a while ago. And he, he, he retired a few years ago. I remember, yeah. And yeah, for him to, to go so suddenly, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. Um, yeah, I mean, I always loved um, his, his uh, commentary on, on Match of the Day. I remember a, a couple of seasons before he retired. I, I don't know if you remember this, but they had a few nil, he had a few nil-nils uh, on the bounce. And it was like so, getting such an inside joke that he hadn't seen a goal for so long. But they um, <laughs> uh, reminded everybody of the last time that he did commentate on a goal by showing the footage in black and white. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> that's brilliant. I don't remember that, but I'm going to have to check that out now because that's, that's brilliant. Uh, um, uh, and if you are enjoying the show, please consider showing your support. Uh, you can visit uh, buymeacoffee.com uh, forward slash in that number to show us your appreciation. Um, to any donation will be greatly appreciated. And of course, you can go and check it out and see all the perks that you get if you do so. So thanks to all the people that have. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you want to do that, buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Love it. Um, and Tim, how are things for you this week? How is the move going? How is, it, how is everything in, uh, in, in the Windy City? Windy City. Well, it's a little sad in the Windy City. Uh, the Patrick Kane era mm. is coming to a close. I love it. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, looking at that and looking at all the past uh, goals and experiences we had growing up with him, uh, he's a month younger than me. And I saw something crazy the other day about how in the 
basically the, in the 2005 season, uh, we beginning with the 2005 season, we've never had a game that didn't have Jonathan Tays, Patrick Kane, Brent, uh, Brett Brett Seabrook, Seabrook, yeah. or or Duncan Keith uh, start or play in one of the games. So um, seeing that, and I mean, I graduated high school in 2006. So that is basically my entire adulthood um, yeah. at this point, thinking about how uh, the Blackhawks are coming to a close with their their era. Still got, they've still got three cups, though, Tim. So, I mean, come on. You, let, let them try and win one with New York now. Let, let's, um, let's share it, yeah? Yes, because New York needs to be cocky about something else. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what they need. Um, but nonetheless, uh, closed on our house in uh, on this past Wednesday. So bought, bought a new place here in Chicago and met another Southampton fan in Chicago as well. So I hear. crazy. Yeah. In the wild, too. Not yeah. just uh, willingly. Yeah, not just because uh, I, I knew of them. What was the, ma- what was yes. the matter with him, may I ask? <laughs> um, well, he, he's a masochist, just like me. <laughs> so we, we do enjoy um, pain. Yeah. A lot of pain. Yeah. So we don't have a choice being from Southampton, but you guys, yeah, shame on you. Now it's official. Ruben Sellis, Ruben Sayas, has been given the job uh, until the end of the season. And like Kevin said last week, that Solskjaer effect, and it's happened. Uh, you know what? A, what a difference a week makes. And going for it at Stamford Bridge, showing Sport Republic what you can offer the side moving forward. And then you know the six pointer, the crucial one, he turns into a mixture of Ralph and Nathan Jones. Just the wrong game plan. And unsurprisingly, we got beat. You know, it's it's, it's tragic. It really is. And we'll chat about the appointment and, and what lies ahead for him in the ITN news. So let's let's head to that right now, shall we? This is ITN in that number news. OK, then. That's the only place to start, really, isn't it? Ruben Sayas until the end of the season. Um, the situation, as we understand it, we can hope that he gets us out of this mess. If he does, he'll be given a deal. But fail. And I guess plan B is to replace him. Does that about sum it up, Kevin? I think so. I think so. I think, you know, um, I think it was a little bit too early for the club to say yes. Uh, to uh, Ruben. Yeah, I get it. Well done. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I'm, I was saying, you know, keep keeping hungry because the you know the social effect is 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 a real thing, and you know maybe that would have made the difference. Maybe he would have you know risked it a little bit more and you know, tried to prove himself. Uh, we'll never know, I suppose. But I mean, in terms of the appointment, I mean, are, are you happy about it? Because I mean, it is a big risk from Sport Republic, isn't it? And there's, this is nothing against Sayas, you know, he's appointed and we have to stand by him. Um, and I don't want this to be, you know, that we win and we love him, you know, and you lose. And it's like saying, you know, you weren't experienced enough. Because my, my stance hasn't changed, you know, that I just figured the risks were too high. And I said that on the Discord. I mean, I even said it to you, Tim, when we were having a chat about it. And I just I said after the Chelsea win, we still need to get somebody else in. And, and Sayas doesn't need to go anywhere he can still have a positive impact on these players. And how, why not, you know, joint management? I don't know. But and if, if Leeds is anything to go by, he's going to need some help. And mentally, mentally too, because the result will deflate him big time because he seems to be like a, conf- a real confident guy. He believes he's ready for the job. He believes he wants to take this on. 
But I bet he's feeling so deflated now, and I, I bet he's let the whole the, the whole city down. So thinking with Ruben, uh, I genuinely believe that while he's a confidence person, and we don't want to create a panic in any way. Um, we, I mean, there we have 15 games left, and so you're looking at having to win five of those games with numerous draws sprinkled in it just for the chance to be able to stay up. And with him being a confidence person, I don't know if bringing somebody else in was going to be that spark plug necessary to do it. I mean, bringing Jesse Marsh right back in after he was he was canned, um, I don't know. So to me, seeing that he's a confidence person, I think it's very reactionary to think he's going to get knocked down. I think he's a genuinely a good-hearted person, and he's going to come back and try his best again. But trying his best is not ultimately going to be what is going to keep us up, uh, and it, it doesn't it doesn't look good at this point. I'm glad he's still in charge. I'm a bit disappointed that they've uh, decided to make to make it permanent until the end of the season. Um, when, you, when you said that he was signing on, I thought you meant that they'd sacked him already. <laughs> he also said that it was a pleasure for him, uh, and he doesn't have anything to prove. I mean, I, I I kind of think he does now, or he did anyway. It was always there's always something to prove, right? Especially in the position that he's in, having That's, not managed before. Yeah, that's very telling, isn't it? Um, <laughs> he's changed his tune a little bit, you know. He's saying, you know, um, I am the manager and everything. All right, you know, prove it. Yeah. Uh, what result is not enough? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think this was before the Le- the Leeds game as well. He said that. Um, uh, yeah, he definitely needs to prove it now. But we also have to remember as well that with Jones going, you know, his coaching staff had left. I think it was um, oh god, who was it? Alan Sheehan, wasn't it? And Chris Cohen, they left their roles. Um, is there an opportunity for there to be some more internal promotions? Because, you know, Dave Horseman stepped up into the first team role this week. He's been helping out in training. And I think he was part of the coaching staff at Stamford Bridge. He was definitely there at Ellen Rokes. I saw him yesterday. Um, I think this is a decision that Sellers wants to make and, you know, in-house promotions rather than sourcing outside the club. But, you know, again, it's a huge risk. And you just have to ask yourself, what are Sport Republic trying to do here? Are they, are they trying their coaching staff like they are with their players? I think it's too late to build something now, isn't it? So we've just got to see whether we stay up or not. You know, what kind of uh, coaching staff we're going to have, what calibre we're going to be able to recruit next season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, uh, Tim, I'm looking at his fixtures that he's got uh, in the next in the next few games. And so we've got Grimsby at home uh, in the cup, which is kind of, I don't know, you don't you can't really rate him for that but again if we lose then yeah you, you have to you have to think you know why are we losing to Grimsby uh, you've got Leicester at home another crucial one Man United away um, which is something that you you can probably write off especially in their form um, incidentally that Man United game has been changed it was meant to be on the Saturday uh, Saturday 11th of March but now it's been moved to Sunday the 12th uh, and that's a 2pm kickoff so that's gonna be good for the podcast that one uh, and then end out the month of March, uh, Brentford and Spurs at home. So some really, really tough games there. You know, you look at Man United, Brentford, Spurs. If you can't win at Leeds, well, you know, what chance have we got now? You know, it's, it's, it's very easy to say we've got 14 games. There's still a lot to go or enough. To... It's fucking it is grim, yeah. Like Grimsby, yeah. Um, but yeah, Tim, it's um, it's it's a tough old run for him now. Yeah, good old Ruben say yes to the dress isn't going to be able to get us going here, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I mean, yeah, you're looking at Leicester, Man United, Brentford, Tottenham, West Ham, Man City, Palace, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Forest, Fulham, Brighton, and Liverpool as the remaining games. So you need to average out uh, 1.5 points per game to be really considered to potentially be safe. That's 41 points. And so if you're going to get 20, you know, if you're going to be able to get maybe 20 points for the remaining season and starting to look at the games ahead, you know, with lead, with leads to be expected as a, what a, a win, you now have to turn a game that was going to be a, maybe a draw into a win and then a game that was going to be a loss into a draw. So are you going to get that from Man United away? No. Are you going to get that from Man City away? No. Are you going to get that from Arsenal away? No. Are you going to get that from Liverpool at home? No, probably not. But you've got your your Leicesters, you've got like your Brentford at home, uh, you've got West Ham away, you've got Forest away, uh, Forest away, which you you would think you'd have to expect to win, like Fulham at home. Like, there's a lot of games here that you're going to have to turn what would be the odds of uh, really are against us into the next level up, meaning a, a loss to a draw, a draw to a win, and I don't see it. I don't see it happening. No, I don't either. And 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 that Leeds game was was case in point in that because the, I, I do a lot of fixture watching, and you see that you look at those games and you think that the position that they're in, you, nothing less than three points is a must. And and we haven't done that now. And the the the, the easy the so-called easier games are running out. And yeah, it's just um, it, it's it's grim as Kev said. It's, it's or it's fucking grim as as Kev said. <laughs> uh, Kevin, uh, you have you heard about this um? I know it's a moot point now, but there was a, a, a World Cup caliber manager uh, that was interested uh, in the Saints job before they gave it to Ruben. Um, did you hear about that? Yeah, uh, it was very clickbaity mm. uh, headline that I didn't go for. Um, I thought that we would uh, that it hadn't come out who exactly it was, so I thought it'd be interesting to discuss which of the sixteen potential teams it was. Um, and it turns out it was one of the, the more disappointing options. What? So, Southgate? Yeah. <laughs> Southgate would be a great if it's like, no, um, I'm sorry, my dream job is just open to Southampton manager. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck the Euros. <laughs> I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, I'd welcome him. Really? Um, but no, yeah, just what Michnievich, uh, Poland manager. Had an illustrious career in the Polish leagues, but um, hasn't really done anything outside of it, barring, barring that most recent bunch up. And Poland had, I don't know, they always have seemed to have a disappointing tournament, don't they? But, uh, yeah, mm. they, maybe, uh, you know, you think one day Lewandowski's going to go on a, on a wonderful uh, run of goal scoring and uh, get Poland through to, you know, the more business end of the knockout stages. It's never happened. So, yeah, I, I would have been absolutely amazed if uh, they'd, they'd considered it as an option. Oh, wow. Ruben I, I mean, I only heard that he was he was interested. He registered his interest in the vacancy, but I don't know if the Saints reached out to him. It's just like, I mean, I was interested, let's face it, but they didn't reach out to me. Well, you didn't drop your CV in the Mary's, did, did you? No, no. Uh, yeah, maybe I should have done. Maybe there's still time. Who knows? Um, yeah, uh, more news. Uh, some good news, actually. Uh, Tyler Dibbling signed his first pro deal. It's a two-year deal. So, yeah, that would keep him here till 2025. I, I, I keep forgetting what year it is. 
I'm still convinced it's 2022. Uh, Kev, Dusan Tadic as well, scored his 100th goal for Ajax. Yeah, he's banging him in for Ajax. Uh, 100 <laughs> goals in 2026 uh, matches in all competitions. And he's 34. Yeah. Still going. Yeah. It's still Brilliant. not that old, is it, really, when you think of it? When you think of uh, how Ronaldo's still going and, and all that, and Luka Modric, not that old. Mm. Um, but, yeah, things have got better and better for him since leaving. So, yeah, <laughs> made the right decision there, didn't you, Dusan? So, yeah, well done. Oh, nice. Um, guys, both of you, um, I've heard some uh, some transfer news. I know it's not the transfer. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to play the roundabout for this, but... Um, I, I wondered no. if you could fill in the blanks. It's storage for winter. Yeah. Besiktas have shown interest in a summer signing for... Um, Gineppo. You're going with Gineppo. Tim, what about you? What are you going with? Aribo. No, it's Gineppo, Kev. Well done. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, he is a Besiktas. It's him or you yeah. see. No, yeah. <laughs> You're right, yeah. Um, apparently, they're, they're showing interest in him. So uh, watch this space for that. Okay, so Lonies then. I want to talk about... Just one person, uh, and I mean, the others have been playing, but a lot of them have been losing this week. They've, a lot of them have played two games as well. But Nathan Teller, it's just Burnley are continuing their push for the Premier League promotion team. They're, they're you know, definitely going to make this one now, aren't they? They won a, a heavy 4 0 victory over Huddersfield. Um, Nathan Teller grabbed an assist for Oberfemi, so Saints, ex Saints players and current uh, linking up again. Uh, almost certain for them now. and my question, Tim, will Teller want to play back-to-back seasons in the championship? I mean, he seems suited there, doesn't he? And, you know, he's definitely earned his stripes, but it looks, it looks you know, sir, that he, Burnley are going to get promoted. Saints are going to get relegated. He's not going to want to come back to Southampton. He's going to want, he's going to feel like he's earned his chance in the Premier League again, right? Yeah, I think he can stay with Burnley. And by, I think he can. I mean, uh, you've got to start thinking of the financials and, the obligations and you know where can you get a benefit from you know trying a player that wasn't with us this season while successful in the championship but not with us in the Premier League we've got a ton of players who are currently on contract and he's wanted and was successful and can make us a decent amount of money uh, by selling him so I think he he needs to get sold. I think we need to keep him because he's doing well in the in the championship, and that's what we need. We need players that can do well in the championship. So, I think we do now. Can I extend the trajectory of your predicted career path for Teller? Say that um, Burnley sign him, but um, also go on a massive spending spree. He gets sidelined, um, and then gets loaned out to Southampton, and then go. <laughs> Gets loaned out to Southampton in the championship. <laughs> we get promoted and signed permanently, and it just goes on forever like that. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, 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 if one and a half seasons in Burnley and Southampton forever. <laughs> but if we keep getting relegated and promoted, then yeah, that would be very frustrating. <laughs> <for him. laughs> but yeah, um, on this day, by the way, you know, it's it, well, it's, it's it's of course the Carabao Cup final today between the Uniteds of Manchester and Newcastle. Um, and it was on this day, actually, in 2017 that we were beat 3-2 in that EFL Cup final to Man United. And that was, yeah, six years ago today. So, Fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> uh, birthdays. I've got three birthdays this week. Uh, Will Smallbone. It was his birthday on Tuesday the 21st. How old is Will Smallbone? Is he 23? 22. He's 23. Nice one, Kevin. Um... 
Two birthdays on Wednesday, actually. I'll start with the, the young one, Jan Valerie, Wednesday the 22nd. 25. Tim? 24. 24. Yeah, you, you guys are swapping. It's good. Um, the last one, Klaus Lundigvam, Wednesday the 22nd. Dear old Klaus, how old is Klaus? Klaus is 50. 54. He's 50. It was his 50th birthday. Yeah, well done, Kevin. Good job. Um, yeah. I did congrats. Ah, OK. So you saw that. Yeah, I gathered you would have done. But yeah, um, I also want to take the time to remember uh, former St. Dean Richards, who tragically passed away on this day 12 years ago, uh, 26th of February 2011. So he's only 36 years old. It's not an age, is it? It's a horrible way. And I still think about him. Um, yeah, he wasn't with Saints for long, but the time that he was here, he was he was a great player. Um, but yeah, still. Yeah, I, looking back at old Saints games, which is what I do quite a bit, uh, and seeing Dean Richards, and I, I just, I you just still, I still feel it. You know, 36 years old, it's it's just crazy. So B team, they played on Monday the 20th at the beginning of the week at West Brom away, a 2-1 win, uh, goals from Kamari Doyle and Don Ballard. Yeah, um, and they play Friday night as well at Staplewood, and a 2-1 loss to rivals Leeds. That's not good, is it? Two losses to Leeds in the week, and Leeds. It's in- interesting actually because Saints' first team played Leeds uh, at the bottom of the table, and the B team played uh, Leeds at the top of the table. So uh, lost to them both. But uh, James Bree played and scored uh, in that game for us. So that's about his level now, I reckon. <laughs> um, does that count? I said that he'd never played in a change shirt. Does that yeah, wrong? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Next match, they play Nottingham Forest at Snow Stadium on Friday the 3rd of March. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff. I will probably go to that one. Uh, women's, they're on their international break. Haven't played, obviously. So, uh, But the next match still remains Charlton Athletic away on Sunday the 5th of March. That's 2 o'clock kickoff. Uh, Under-18s played yesterday. That's Saturday the 25th against West Brom. Uh, and they won 1-0, a goal from Tyler Edmondson. And their next match is an FA Youth Cup game against Preston at Deepdale on Thursday, the 2nd of March. We we have to discuss this this Leeds game then from Saturday. Yeah. Crucial game, tension all day. Well, all week, really. I was feeling it. Uh, and, you know, coming off the back of that win at Stamford Bridge, Leeds with the new manager bounce and... And we've not got a great record at Ellen Road. Only one win in 14 Premier League games. Um, and that win came back in February 98. So it's kind of like a, the same sort of record that we had at Goodison. But, of course, we banished that this year, but not this one. Um, our away form, though, better than it is at St Mary's. Of our five wins this season, four of them have been on the road. Uh, I mean, I knew that, but just, you know, seeing it, it just thinks you just make, makes you think one win at home. That's relegation form. That's what it is. And that's 12 points out of 18 that they've won on the road. That's a 67%. Um, interesting stat as well. I don't know if you knew this, guys, but Saints are the only team not to have seen a goal from the penalty spot this season, home or away. Uh, that, that, that's, I find that incredible. Uh, mm. Mm. Yeah, it blew my mind anyway. Obviously, it hasn't blown yours. <laughs> uh, James Ward-Prowse. My mind's already blown. You've just... <laughs> <laughs> Good. James Ward-Prowse levels Jason Dodd's top flight record of 329 appearances. The only thing worth celebrating, really, wasn't it? Um, going into the game, no Che Adams, no Mislav Orsic, along with long-term absences, Juan Larios and Tino Livramento. Uh, Orsic out with a concussion, actually. I didn't know that. Uh, so that was probably the reason. I don't, I'm not sure when he sustained this concussion, but would that have been the reason that he's been missing the last couple of games? 
<laughs> Again, I don't, I, I don't know. Is it, is it an excuse? Like, people are asking questions and they're just like, oh, concussion. Can't really prove or disprove well, that exactly, thing. Yeah. Like a back problem. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, starters. Sayas wants to keep it simple and he didn't overcomplicate things at all. But it's not the most inspiring lineup, isn't it? Especially when we keep seeing the same players making the lineup constantly, you know, under Ralph, under, under Jones, and now under Sayas. It's, yes, I'm talking about Elianusi. Um, and I don't want to make it just about him, but what is he doing in the lineup at this moment in our position? I, I don't think he should be anywhere near this 11. You know, he offered nothing yesterday. I think he offered more to Leeds, actually, where he kept losing possession to them. And I, I, I don't think I've even spoke to a fan that is happy for him to continue in the lineup. Yet, you know, he's doing something at Staplewood to convince everyone or, or rather con everyone. But Tim, yeah, th- thoughts on the unchanged team and why or why is Moy still around at the moment? Moy is around for the moment because he does a job that's specifically asked by the manager, but does not do things that which produce the wow factor, the pizzazz, or the uh, necessary things to see seen from a fan's perspective to be successful. Is he doing stuff behind the scenes? He's probably in the right place, in the right formation, or where they want to go. But when we see Stuart Armstrong making progressive movements going forward and then getting a foul outside of the box or Paul Unuachu, you know, tall Paul up there, you know, elbowing, boxing everybody out so he can try and, you know, get the header or Suleimania making ridiculous runs or like Perot making ridiculous runs on the, down the side or Salisu sticking himself in there for interceptions when he's playing. Um, we don't see that. We see... He, we, they see him in the position and the formation, but nothing more. So to me, I don't. There's a disconnect between what a manager sees and what we see. And I'm going to give credit to the managers when they, because they obviously are smarter than many of us fans. Um, but when you consistently and constantly don't see production, to me, that's a problem. And is Moy the right person for the job? I mean, at this point in time, I don't think so. And I think that, you know, he's, he's deep for me. What I see from him is he's very, he's, he's a very decent defensive, uh, you know, outside midfielder or a 10 in this, in this case, in the four, two, 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 that's not what you want when you're playing against leads. You want somebody who can be progressive, who can make the, 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 the pass is necessary, who can dribble the ball, who can shoot, you know, who can score and provide that pizzazz. You know, if you're up 3-0 and you want to bring Moy in in the 65th minute, do it, because I would be very happy for him because I don't think he's going to be the one who's going to give up the follower around the box, and he's going to hustle his tail off and do a good job. But right now, he's not making a big enough difference, and I don't see why that we should be being uh, tentative against a team like Leeds, where we should have been much more on the attacking or on the front foot the entire time. Kev, you know, he, he, he did keep it simple against Chelsea and it worked. Um, so there was, was no reason to change it or, or, or was there. I mean, I don't know. This isn't Chelsea, is it? This is a struggling team. So let's show some guts and, and then have a go at them. But we, we didn't do that with this. And, you know, we didn't do that with the play. We didn't do that with the lineup. Precisely. I mean, well, were you were you happy with that with, with the with that eleven? Considering that we've just gone and won, uh, you can't really blame Sayers for, for, for 
for keeping it though, can you? No, no. You know, when it, yeah, it came out just the unchanged side, I think, well, okay, yeah, we won fine. You know, those players proved themselves last week. Uh, keep him in there. Um, but yeah, um, El Yunusi, mm, yeah, Armstrong, no. Alcaraz being left out for no real reason other than just not being able to be shoehorned into that 4 2. So, mm. I didn't. Yeah, you can't really complain. I mean, you go and win at Chelsea, you can't really change it up too much. But the performance didn't match it, did it? I mean, if the. But my question is, I think, why didn't he change things up earlier? Because. I'm thinking at half time he's probably going to just you know have a go, tell him what's what you know this isn't working this isn't this is a new approach that we want I'll change it up a bit make a couple of changes perhaps none of that happened so it wasn't just the personnel that you know that that was well not necessarily wrong but it was the way that we we approached the game which was more disappointing to me and we didn't start well at all no I mean even when the subs did go on relatively early you know it was about an hour mark wasn't it I mean they weren't. Again, they weren't particularly inspiring choices. You see D- D- Diallo, Mara and Walcott coming on. You think, well, that's really going to shake things <laughs> up, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to you know, rewind to the, to the start of the game because Leeds were seeing a lot of the ball and we were sitting back. And it, that was disappointing to see because, like I said, I, I thought you know, we can have a go at them and show something, show us a little bit. You know, there's talk about them, you know, wanting to run through brick brick walls for this manager, but I didn't see that. Um, and especially because you knew that a draw wasn't going to be good enough. And we've seen time and time again that if we sit back, we get beat. Even if we're in the lead and a man up, you know, see the Wolves games for full details. But not seeing enough of the ball, sitting back is, is a red flag straight away, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. When I think it was in the first 20 minutes, they had 70% possession versus our 30%. Where was you know what is the what's the what's the difference between this and the Chelsea game? There's literally no zero. There's no difference in formation. Um, there's no difference in formation on their end. Four two three one. Yes, they have different players. So is it the you know Tyler Adams and uh, Weston McKinney dominating the uh, the central the central midfield potentially because they are both very very good players and that could have been neutralized from it. So then you make the adjustments necessary to break their formation. And what did he do? Well, he didn't do anything different because last week, uh, when he played in Chelsea, he subbed on three players in the 60th minute or so. Uh, Two of the the three were Sekumara and Theo Walcott, which were the same thing he did today. And he basically had a script from a playbook, uh, and it didn't, it didn't seem like there were any tactical adjustments. That's very Ralph, isn't it? it? Just was... That's definitely a Ralph way of playing. No, Ralph wouldn't have made the subs. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is that Ralph had had the subs planned regardless of how the result was going. And it seems like Sayers has done the same thing. So he's, he said, regardless of the result, I'm going to bring you three players on in the 60th minute um, and we'll see how it goes from there. That's what it seemed like to me. There wasn't much of a game plan. And you, you know that um, Javi Gracia, he did his homework because... All he said was get the ball into the box in the air and you'll get your rewards because Nonto was whipping them in. Aronson was was doing the same down the right, just attacking our flanks and knowing where to put the ball and putting us under pressure. That was working. And we we didn't have an answer to that. Still ineffective. I, it, yeah, know. but I mean, if they had more players into the box, then it would have been. Or if we'd have been playing against another, you know, a stronger opponent, we would have been punished big time in this game. 
Um, it's just that, Le- just oh, that Leeds are struggling to score at the moment, and you know that's why we were we were spared somewhat. But for all that barrage of um, of chances, I thought we dealt fairly well with it, to be honest. And in the first, it half. looked comfortable though, didn't um, it? But not well, not comfortable. It was the fact that we were sat yeah. back and Leeds were trying to throw out things at us, and they weren't really testing Bazunu. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they were pressing us. Um, again, it definitely gave us a, a lot to deal with. But yeah, it wasn't particularly worrying. Yeah, so I thought we just defended fairly well. And I guess that's the way that we were set up, just to try and shit out our way to a nil-nil and maybe sneak a chance if you get a free kick in a, in a nice area. This is our um, game plan, is it? <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, but there were a few chances, especially quite early on, you know, that, um, but it just faded out, didn't it? Um, and all of those counter-attacks that, that we did get were just completely wasted. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of think that we did try to play direct, especially early on as well. Long balls to Onuachu, um, who, in my opinion, didn't do anything to vindicate his £18 million price tag in this one. Uh, wasn't impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. There were periods where we, we, we looked settled. I think it was like after 10 minutes or so. It looked, it looked fine. It was it was OK. We kept the ball better and, and we started to show some intent, but without testing Melier. Um And then Leeds got back into it. So it kind of like we were weathering spells of Leeds, Leeds pressure. But again, not really testing both goalkeepers. Yeah, never went anywhere. Really, no, um, which is really disappointing because at that point, I would expect Sayers to just say, "Look, we need to we need to change this up a bit. We need to give it a go because we're fighting for our Premier League lives here. We need to we need to do something." And there just seemed to be no urgency. And aside from that Onuachu long curler, uh, long curler, there wasn't a thing of note, was there? Especially in that in that first half and. I just thought that the, the game plan was all wrong. At well, half time, it was clearly not good enough, not good enough in the opening period. And Leeds were looking more likely. I know you, you brought up the possession stats there, but I've got got them at half time. It went up to 35% possession, so not much better. Four shots to their seven, uh, both with one on target. But there, again, there was nothing clear cut from either side. Um, very even in, in terms of tackling and, and aerial duels. But it, it was their possession, and, and that was the big difference. And it yielded more passes than us. And it showed their superiority a bit. And then they had more than double our passes. I just think they were more assertive and they seemed to have more of a game plan. And we were just constantly on the back foot. I don't blame him for going out and doing the exact same thing he did to win against Chelsea. If you, if if you've heard the term, if it ain't broke, don't Mm. fix it. Well, it's okay. Like I understand and I get, get it. But you had to recognize quickly that when you had more possession in the Chelsea game at the end of the half and you're at 35% possession going into the second half of uh, against Leeds, something was wrong because you don't have 35% no. possession against Leeds. That's a, that's a significant problem. Now, if it's like 55, 45, like maybe I'll give you like the benefit of the doubt there in a situation. I expected this, the possession numbers to be different. I expected, I mean, I expected the the Chelsea numbers to be uh, 65-35, and it was, it wasn't that way. So I think just the, the Chelsea game was very much a obscure, uh, weird, just a you know a one off. Yeah. And now we're back. To, yeah. And now we're we're regressing to where we're normally playing at. So to me, what do you do when you recognize that they have primary possession? They have the heat map. The ball is primarily in our half, which is a significant problem. And the lack of chances or creativity, what do you do? So you do something different because what you're doing currently isn't making sense. 
So there's a point where you need to be, you know, you don't necessarily need to make a quick reaction and change something immediately, but you need to do it at halftime. That's the biggest chance you can. Yeah, exactly. So, and that that's that's why yeah. I went, why I said then, Kev, that I, I was short. I, I wasn't actually that bad at halftime. Yes, it was a poor poor half, but it was still nil nil. There was still hope, and I thought, Sayers gets him into the changing room, and you know he he gets his chance to ch- to change things around and, and get more pressure on them. I thought maybe he was deliberately sitting back, not to concede. Then we can change, and then we can catch him out. But it was so disappointing to me that nothing changed. Um, personnel or the game plan it was more of the same and it's really really poor from Sayers as well I was expecting a lot more what I mean Kev was he going for a nil-nil because nothing suggested otherwise um yeah I think that probably that probably was the plan just stay in it as long as you can and maybe try and nick something at the end if we're still in it but um yeah I think uh it's just when he started making the changes um it was even then, it was too little, too late, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, definitely. And um, Tim, I've seen some. Uh, well, I, I was looking at some uh, match reports, and I, I saw that I, even even on Match of the Day, they said that Onu actually wasn't bad. But I, I want to mention him a little bit. I mean, how did you feel that he he played? Because for me, I, I just I'm not sure he has the pace of the league yet, and I just thought he looked a bit lazy, and he's not going above and beyond anything. He's doing you know the bare minimal, and I remember his debut game. It was Wolves, wasn't it, his debut? And I thought he looked good. And I, he was winning those 50-50s and he looked to show, you know, grit, determination. But here he just looked completely different. And I don't want to use the word disinterested, but that's what it seemed like. And so he played 62 minutes. And it's it's telling that we weren't involved in the attacking side of the match. He had less touches than Diallo, Stu, Perot, which, you know, they all come on, apart from Stu. Uh Mara came on in the, uh, for 28 minutes and he had one less touch than Onuachu. Um, but this is like more of a reflection on the team's lack of creativity, isn't it? Because he's very much a target man. He's not a mobile striker in that sense. You, you just want to get him the, given the ball. He's a big target. He does need to be fed. But it was clear from an early stage that it wasn't working and yet we stuck to it. And, and if you look at his previous two games, his aerial stats were the best on the field. But here they were not. By contrast, Robin Cock, he won more, and so did Verber as well. That's worrying. Won more aerial balls than than Onuachu. I just don't feel he he gave it his all. I think that more so than he wasn't giving it his all. They figured out how to deal with a really 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 big guy because they could have either won, like you said, Javi did his homework and they put uh, Robin Cock on him or Wolver and just man marked him until, and pushed him away from the box. I think that was probably one of their biggest things. Yeah. And so he was a target man and I saw him drift out more than he probably needed to be. And that was in part because of the possession being so far in their favor and on the side of the field. So he drifted away from the box. I don't think he's an effective player outside of being inside of the 18-yard box. So to me, I think being disinterested is probably uh, a little too far, in my opinion. Rather, I think he was neutralized as a player and was exposed because of his inability to do 
things that, say, Che Adams can do, who's who's got a better hold-up play, who's a faster player, and while he isn't necessarily as airily dominant, um, is definitely a brute force up top. And so I think disinterested is wrong, but really they just took him out of the game completely. Kev, how do you see how do you see his performance? Yeah, it was quite weak. Um, yeah, we're comparing them. Um, yeah, Diallo had as many touches as I actually did. Um, if, if I'm playing devil's advocate and defending him, um, he didn't really have much to feed off. Uh, there weren't really many moments where we we broke forward. Uh, but yeah, what we did see. It wasn't inspiring, was it? I mean, that, that we only had two shots on target. One of them was that chance that I know actually had in in the first half. And it's not as if he didn't have enough time mm. to to create something. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, the other putting it straight in the, the keeper other was James Ward Prowse from distance as well, wasn't it? And that was that was yeah, it was another desperate mm. strike as well. Um, yeah, I just he could have done a lot more, but I yeah, I think the system doesn't suit him, does it? And and, and they were playing Sulemana up front with him, and I, I don't know if it, if it, if it would have made more sense than to dr- it's equally yeah, cool. but to drop him a little bit deeper to come and get the ball and and to feed on him actually a little bit mm-hmm. more, but we didn't see that. Stu was off his game as well; he never did that. Uh, he he gave the ball away a little bit too much, and but I mean I I said on the Discord with well over an hour to go that playing the long ball doesn't work. Trying to play at the back when Leeds were pushing so high and putting us under that pressure. And I said, sorry, we're losing this game 1-0. Um, and I wasn't the only one who thought so, because many of the guys on Discord felt, yeah. that, felt that it was coming. We could all see it was coming, because they, Leeds looked more threatening, and, and boom, there, there it is. And But the, the, the triple change, just go back to your point that you said earlier, Kev, and you, you know, you made that change, you said it wasn't very inspiring. So, so Suleimana, Onuachi and Stu came off, Walcott, Diallo and Mara came on. Yeah, not exactly inspiring, but... Not exactly much to choose from either, because he he hasn't had that window like Jones or Ralph, has he? he had, he's had no choice with this squad. He has said in the week that it's bloated and it's not a problem. Uh, but who who on the, who, oh, yeah. who on that bench can come on and get us a goal though? Because we've got no Che, we've got no Orsic, and the bench read. All right, so I read this, but not including the defenders in this, by the way. So you've got Alcaraz, Diallo, Gineppo, Adam Armstrong, Theo Walcott, Sekumara. Between all them, that's two Premier League goals. Um, our left back has doubled that on his own. So what is Sayer supposed to do with this um, squad? Take out James Ward-Prowse out of the, the starting lineup, and how many goals have we got? Yeah, in it's just it's just I Chase, mean, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's equally as yeah. Uh, we that that is our problem. We're not scoring goals. I mean, you can even maybe look past the the, the poor defending, and and so, you know, it's just one one goal, one more goal each game, and we'd be fine. But that's kind of what the man- uh, but yeah, we that's kind of what the managers are saying, isn't it? That we're we're not far away. We just need to get those those moments. But the time's running out. You don't always get those moments. Um, so I just don't think he has the players yeah. at his disposal to do anything with it. It's not as if he hasn't got those to choose. I mean, obviously we haven't got Jay Adams and and Orsic, uh, at his disposal this weekend. But the only difference that Sayas is done with this squad, and you know his what his predecessors have done. Samuel Adozi is the only person that isn't included in his match squad. Every, otherwise, mm. everybody else has been the same. Uh, it's just, like I said, same manager, same story. It, it's, he's done nothing nothing different. They're all picking Elianusi. They're all bringing Walcott on. They're all playing 
um, Maitland Niles, but which I don't think Maitland Niles was was terrible again. I know you, you, he was good. Yeah, he yeah. was he was probably you know one of the people that were at fault for the goal. Um, but again, that's a load of people that were at fault for that goal. And, and I want to talk about that now. Yeah. Um, t- Kevin, take it away. I mean, it all starts from a set piece, doesn't well, it? Well, there's, um, there's a somehow, Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of other phases of play that um, lead up to the goal. So there's, you know, so many uh, weak links in this chain that, that could have been broken at some point by a defence, but aren't. Somerville just walks it to the corner flag. and How do um, they score from uh, there? Yeah, yeah, you said <laughs> Maitland-Niles. Yeah, Maitland-Niles and Mara just stand by idly. You know, they're both next to just fucking closing down, but they, he managed to get away with passing it straight along the goal line. Um, Diallo allows Harrison to, to back heel it through his legs. Um, Fearfoe's then in a huge space. Um, Prowse and Diallo collide just after he gets the shot off. Um, Beth Narex just stood there dopely ball watching rather than closing them down. Mm. And despite trying to keep his legs as close together as possible as if he was busting for a piss, <laughs> still gets nutmegged. Um, and Baza, I mean, I don't know whether to blame him or not here because I suppose that um, Yanni B was uh, obstructing his view a little bit. But, um, yeah, by the time he reacts to it, it's too late and it just slips under his knee and under his arm, doesn't it? I mean, it's a ridiculously silly goal to concede. It, really, really sloppy because it's happening. you think that if we were going to nick something out of this match, it would have been a nil-nil draw with shithouse away to the end of it. And, OK, you can call it a must-win, but still, nil-nil is better than what the result that we actually got. Yeah. And... Uh, Leeds wouldn't have jumped out of the relegation zone. Exactly, yeah. Um, we'd be one point closer to to safety. It would have been something at least. Uh, but, yeah, I, it's a shame really because I, I was quite enjoying Bednarik's performance uh, defensively. I thought that, you know, if we, we can stay in this, and we were. He was making some great blocks in um, reading the game quite well. Uh, Maitland Niles. Also, up until mm. this point, I, I thought it looked very good, but it's just if yeah, I'm if I'm being completely honest, I had the same uh, impression about Bednarik in that Wolves game. I thought up until the the, the moment mm. Wolves scored, he just he was fine. He didn't do it. He didn't do it a lot wrong. He was winning um, headers. He was strong, but there, there, there's always there, there's always that weak, just complete collapse, isn't there? And that's what costs us. And yeah. I think it, it just kind of sums up the season for, for Bednarik and Bazunu, like through Bednarik under Bazunu. That's most weeks. I mean, you look at the, the, the Wolves goal, that well, the, the own goal that Bednarik scored. Comedy of errors. It always seems to happen in a game. It's slapstick, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like I said, then Absolute you could slapstick. put that under the Benny Hill music. It's just it always <laughs> seems to happen. And Tim. I think more of the that, yeah. <laughs> Tim, Kev said that, you know, there's a lot of phases of play in that build-up to the goal. You, you can look at Diallo, you can look at James Ward-Prowse, you can look at uh, Maitland-Niles, you have to look at Bazunu, you have to look at, at Bednarik. If you were you know, look, looking at those five mistakes or those five players, what kind of percentage would you give the failure to this goal on? Would you say that Bazunu was like 60% to blame for this and Bednarik 30% to blame with the other 10% going to the three or what? How would you split this up? 
Um, I'll give a little bit different perspective. Um, so one being a keeper, but two is so they close. I think the biggest issue at hand here is when they go two on one against Somerville in the corner. That's, I mean, it's decent with Amara has dropped all the way back to be able to, to make, to make that go through. But once you've got that, there's the lapse in judgment there from, uh, 32. So that's Diallo and Diallo just kind of trickles over into the corner and isn't looking for what would be the outlet or the through ball, um, into the interior. Rather, it was to the he's looking down back down the line, which in this case was was completely covered. Um, so to me, you had two. Pl- I'm sorry, 32 was yeah, the ball cut. Well so yeah, 27. Yeah. So once once Somerville broke the lo- once Somerville broke the line with a two on one, it's now uh, with the two on one in our side, meaning that with Mara and with um, Maitland Niles there, then you've got a, a two on one for Leeds because then that's the significant problem. That's the largest breakdown to it um, because of that switch. Now, is that a good play by Somerville? No, I think that's poor defending on our end is that we took the wrong angles and we didn't have the right coverage come over. So whether it's somebody in the central midfield dropping us, uh, so, I mean, well, central midfield, it's going to be, um, it could be Ward Prowse who's not over there quick enough. Um, I'd have to take a look or run back at it completely a lot more. Um, I don't know if it's, um, well, if Mara dropped all the way to the corner, it's not going to be on him. So who do you, you know, who are you looking for? What do you, what do you, what do you have the blame? The breakdown was at the be- the beginning of the play. Then obviously you look at Benaric and he's just standing there and he has kind of like a, you know, he creed, he, he, he cre- makes himself smaller in the play. Um, so that's the second part. Well, I guess the second part. Not small all. enough. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. And so Furpo in his off foot, you know, thinks it a little bit around him where in Benaric's cleared ball, you know, six, seven, eight times prior to that game, then all of a sudden he makes himself smaller. He goes through and, you know, what do you, what do you do at that point? Like, I don't know. I don't, you see it from the lapse of judgment with Benaric. Like that just happens before and it's purely unlucky uh, I mean, I think it's a combination of unluck and just putting himself in the wrong place. So, um, I don't know. Um, I would put it though as 75% in that initial phase of play and then 25% on Bednarik and, uh, and Bizunu split evenly there. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's Bizunu and Bednarik for me. I think they both should have, should have done better. Um, but the ball shouldn't have got that far anyway. And, and how many times do, do we have to defend Bazzuni? I don't want to keep going. But, you know, I, I keep hearing the same things. He's young. He'll be one for the future. We've got a good one, you know, but at what cost? You know, if someone said to me at the start of the season that this young up and coming keeper is available at a good price, you know, but, you know, he's going, he's going to struggle from the outset. He's going to make tons of mistakes and you're going to get relegated as a consequence. Then then I'm out. I, I just I give me Macca or Big Willie. I don't know. I don't care what anyone says. His mistakes, they've been costly this season. And he should have saved that. Yes, Bednarik was was blocking him, but I still think he should have done a lot better than that. Um, the gamble hasn't worked. And that's the whole Sport Republic strategy, um, which I said from the summer window, buying cheap and young will not work in this current Premier League. It's too risky. And I think we're paying for that with our Premier League status. It's, it's not just him, though. I, I think the... The only one that has passed the test has been Lavia, really, because the rest, 
Sport Republic insists that they will be world-class players, but we don't have the time to develop and survive. I said, you, you need to pick one, and we've done both, and it hasn't worked. I think Belakashop is the other is another success yeah. uh, out of the purchases too. So those are the those are two yeses. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot more failures than there are successes. Yeah, yeah, in this definitely. Case. Yeah. Um, Kevin, do you have any stats? Uh, yeah, I have the, the regular stats. Uh, so uh, yeah, six. 1% possession to Leeds, 39 to us. Yeah, we had uh, eight shots to Leeds is 14, uh, two of which were on target for us and four for Leeds. Um, pass success, 78%, uh, 85. Uh, we only had two corners, so we're not really utilising on a match here if we can only win two corners. XG of... Uh, so I think I know ours. I think it's 0.4. Yeah, 0.37. Miserable, isn't that? Uh, Leeds is much more impressive, 0.86. Um, they were the best team. Uh, they deserved three points in the end. Yeah. Just, just disappointed with the, the manner in which the, uh, we approached the game and the other way it turned out. Yeah, and an XG of 0.4 or 0.37 is fucking pathetic isn't it against a desperate team themselves really and i'd expect to struggle in championship side to go and have a go at leeds more than we did i just think it's embarrassing it's again another embarrassment um, i had a few uh, dms about the result and the situation in general but um i, I want to read some that have, have taken the time to send their match reactions over our um, instagram accounts so yeah if you send us a message then we then we read it out uh, this is from uh, stalfa one so he says, chaps, I listen to the podcast weekly. Good show uh, and a lot of sense talked. So much appreciated. I was reading an article on Sky about Celes being a brilliant football mind. But to replace the two record signings after 63 minutes with Mara and Walcott, I don't understand what these players do in, in training to warrant even a place on the bench. Unfortunately, it won't matter now. We don't have enough Premier League players and the Sport Republic's strategy of buying young players doesn't give the squad enough experience to keep us up. We don't seem to have that cutting edge in the final third. And the strategy of going to Ellen Rowe to play a team who also have issues up front and decide to play for a draw is beyond me. The most ironic part of today was a reminder that we should have convinced Ings to re-sign in the window. Yeah, I've said this before in the January window. Danny Ings is in this side. We stay up. You know, he scores goals. He did it again yesterday for West Ham, didn't he? And I think he's spot on with his comments here. But in terms of the players use, I don't think he really has the options to do that at this stage. Uh, yeah, basically what I've been saying all season, this is a very, very risky strategy. It's not paying off. Uh, this isn't the right time to, to do this. Uh, I think that rather than having a bloated squad of slightly better than mediocre players, if we can just get you squeeze three the the cost of three players into one you just have a couple of you know superstar premier league names yeah yeah just, I just you know just somebody who can fucking score goals <laughs> and somebody who can fucking defend that's all we need. just we're two players short and they keep buying us you know a quarter of a player i'm sorry there's only 11 places in this team mm. Yeah, and that kind of um, goes into the next one that I want to read, Ryan Fletcher, because he says we've got no decent crosses in the team at all. So many times the ball would go back into the, go into the box, but on you actually can't get to it because the delivery was poor. Uh, players keep misplacing passes as well and not putting enough effort in. 
It's all good turning up for one game, but when we need them to turn up, they disappear. Poor team, and I think we just need to focus on a rebuild in the championship. Tim, here's a thought on that, actually, because Kev's just said that we need to, you know, focus all this money on buying it, you know, one person that can score a goal, one person that can defend. Why don't we just focus on a specific type of player in the window rather than just building a squad? Because I think he's right. You know, we don't have that, that playmaker that can pick the ball up from anywhere and launch the ball diagonally 30 yards or, you know, put a cross in when we need it into the right area. Everybody we brought in doesn't fill that specific need, apart from a striker to score goals, which we tried, and that hasn't worked well yet. So, uh, yeah, and in terms of the rebuild, Tim, I mean, is that the way forward now? So here's a crazy way to think about it. So Sport Republic is just Todd Bailey with Chelsea with a lot less money. Yeah, yeah. Because what what he's done and what they're not a team, are they? They're individuals. They've bought a bunch of players and a lot of them have talent and there's a focus on youth and there's a focus on maybe specific positions rather than fit into, you know, fit into the right mantra or the setup. And we thought we had that going in and, uh, you know, signing a dozy was good. And we thought that, you know, signing with the was going to be good. And, um, you know, turns out he's just a. Yeah, he he's just a player from uh um you know player from Pompey who wasn't very you know who, who did well there but not well, good enough he's to a Man be here. City graduate isn't he so let's not mention Portsmouth. Correct. Yes, but the con- the context yeah. being is there is too many players doing individual uh, just being individuals and sh- you know we're trying to shoehorn them into roles or positions that they may or may not be interested in doing you know doing so you sign a rebo yeah, where you does sign a rebo it, you sign where, where is where does he go yeah he where does he go he goes to the transfer portal <laughs> afterwards but i mean um i think alcaraz is actually gonna fit in a whole lot better than somebody who's just another left winger or right winger for us there's a, there's more of a need for a attacking midfielder than it is for a for a winger yeah, i completely agree i think we have way too many i completely wing- agree I think yeah, we have you're, way too you're many right wing- we do have a lot too many too many wingers that can play i mean you, you you can almost call adam armstrong that that winger now can't you because he's not going to be playing through the center anytime soon you've got Stuart armstrong you've got a dozer you've got elianusi you've got Gineppo. um you've got all those players that aren't really good enough they're not good enough what our, our our friend on instagram has just said we don't have anyone that can put the ball in the box. And we that's been the problem all season. So frustrating in the build-up of play that you get into those, that final third and then you, it ends up going back to Bazumi because there's just no one that can that can find that, that key pass. It's, it's, it's not... Yeah, it's not what we need at this level at this time. It's, it's, it's definitely not good enough. And I want to talk about... Um, uh, Ruben says his post-match interview. Uh, <laughs> I've got some complaints with this. Uh, he says, you can see the point from different perspectives. For me, it shows we are there. We are there in every game and we have the possibility to perform and win the game. We are not a team that is conceding a lot and is out of the game and therefore not competing. We are competing. We are there. We are Premier League level. We're doing things and performing at that level. But what we want to do is give some kind of net for our players to feel comfortable and perform. Obviously, what we need to do is make the net even stronger, but uh, with even more solutions. But this is down to me and is our responsibility. We are trying to create this net where they feel more comfortable. 
I completely disagree with that because I, I think a team competing in the Premier League does not have two shots on target against their nearest rivals who have just just put a new manager in place. We're nowhere near that. We're yeah, nowhere that, near that level. That net. That net needs to have the ball. Yeah, that, that, that's it. <laughs> well, we, okay, we. I mean, he's saying we're we're there. I mean, okay, they actually physically arrived at the ground and played in the match. <laughs> they were there. Yeah, in that in that regard, Nothing. we were there. Yeah, but we, oh, the only thing that I, I do agree with that they may not be conceding many, but we didn't compete yesterday, or not at that level of, of a Premier League team. Leeds could have had more. And I, I just think of the performance that, you know, of Man City yesterday against Bournemouth. If we were playing up against Man City yesterday, they would have thrashed us. And that is not competing. And that's not what this level needs to be. We need to be competing at a lot, a lot more. Um, because I think, yeah, any other team other than Leeds yeah. would have absolutely uh, killed us. Yesterday. I think Haaland would have Bednarek crying by the seventh yeah. minute, guaranteed. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man of the match, Tim. <laughs> the referee for calling it early. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, though, was it? Yes, it was. It was more frustrating than anything. Uh, I think it was bad. I think it was a terrible performance. It, it wasn't as bad as the Forest match. No, no, possibly not, because, again, we should have won that and we were at home. But I don't know. If you, if you look at the performance from everyone, there is no one that comes above a five, really, is there? There's no one that stands up and you can say, oh, he, he was OK. He, he didn't do too bad. No, uh, but that's kind of like what we've got to do. We've got to try and find that person that got a six and a half or a five and a half out of ten. Um, I, I'm I'm going to give it to Lavia because I mean I saw Leeds Leeds had plenty of the ball when their their quality wasn't great in terms of like turning their possession and passes into anything. But I think Lavia broke down chunks of their build up, and I think I, I recall me praising him a couple of times out loud, um, just to myself. Um, and there was that block that Kyle Walker-Peters made at shortly after he came on, which was massive. And I thought that that could save us, a, uh, that could get us a point here. Um, but other than that, it was all uh, way below par. But I'm going to give it to to, um, to to Lavia. Well, I was very close to giving it to Bednarik. Uh, right until he screwed it up. <laughs> you can't do that uh, now. I would, I would just completely so. throw that out. I won't allow it. Yeah. Uh, if that hadn't have happened, I would have asked permission as well. <laughs> Still, <laughs> am I allowed to give Bednarik man the match uh, this time? Yeah, I'm not going to this time. Uh, would it said the same maybe for Maiton Niles as well? But yeah, he was equally at the fault there. So um, better cup chap. At least when these did score that goal, he was doing something that made sense. Uh, and yeah, for the rest of the match, uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was rather good. So I think it's it's going to be um, interesting uh, if. Uh, it's going to be who who is our centre back pairing going to be? Is it going to be AVK Salisu? Yeah, I think it's I think, I think it's them too. I think Bednarik needs to sit down for a bit. I'd I'd, I'd rather he did. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm just. I, I, I mean, have him fight back for his place in the team. Fine, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think Belkochov and Salisu must be the move. I, th- I think so too. I think I'm more just angry with with Jan Bednarik, and I, I just when, mm-hmm. when he makes those mistakes and it's costing us, and it's just like I I I, I, I try not to be reactionary with him uh, because I know he gets a lot of shit. Uh, some of it's deserved, some of it's not. He's still a human being at the end of the day, but at the moment I'm just angry with him and I don't want him in the team at the moment. I mean, is that wrong? It's more frustration, I think, because I think we all see that there there is a player in there, there is a defender in there, but just he doesn't have the mental capacity to 
to do that for 90, for 90 minutes, minutes yeah. non-stop. Yeah, agreed, yeah. yeah. Um, Tim, have you got any more any more thoughts on your man of the match other than the ref? Yeah, I mean, I think Belkacep is the only one who, at least to me, seemed, uh, I mean, truly, posit- truly positive in some mm. rights, in some places. But all in all, I mean, I, you can't really, <laughs> I mean, you can't really hold, you, you can't give it to anybody. Oh, nice. Lovely. Okay, so next uh, next week then we uh, we play Grimsby of League Two uh, in the FA Cup fifth round, and that's on Wednesday, the first of March, uh, seven fifteen kickoff at St Mary's, and that is on ITV. Uh, leading goal scorer for them, by the way, is that that name Harry Clifton. You scored eight goals for them this season, and the assists is Anthony Driscoll Glennon. How very posh for a Lincolnshire team. Uh, he scored nine goals. Uh, sorry, he's assisted nine. So that's good. Yeah, he could fit in our team, couldn't he, with that double-barreled surname? Uh, but yeah, going very well in the cup. Oh, well, obviously, well, they wouldn't be here. But uh, so in round one, they beat Plymouth five-one. In round two, they beat Cambridge two-one. In round three, they beat Burton Albion one-nil. And in round four, of course, they beat Luton Town uh, in a replay. Scored fourteen goals in the competition to our four. And I, but, you know, they played three more games than us, so you can't really compare. But but still, it's impressive and they, they are going well. They're beating teams that they shouldn't really be beating. And you look at Plymouth, Cambridge and Burton, they're all in League One. Uh, so a league above. And then you've got Championship Luton and Championship Saints. I was waiting for a laugh then. I did. They're not doing so well in League Two, though. They're 16th, but not really in a relegation battle. But... Tim, will they be monitoring? Well, they will be monitoring our situation, surely. And given um, the teams they've already beat, they believe that they can stun us. And make no mistake, they're going to give it their all, aren't they? Because this is this is everything for them. I mean, that's the joy of the cup, right? The magic it's of the cup. The, yeah. Un, un, yeah, the magic of the cup. The underdogs versus the the downtrodden Premier League team at the moment. So, uh, I mean, what do you, what, I didn't even know what a Grimsby was before actually taking a look at and trying to do a preview for today's match. <laughs> I love um, that. What's a Grimsby? Yeah. <laughs> Grimsby. So, yeah, it's not actually, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, looking it up, it's not even actually in Grims, uh, Grimsby. It's in a town called uh, Cleethorpes on the northeast in Lincolnshire, so the East, Lid, East Midlands. And so going through it, um, they've had an up and down, per, uh, up and down throughout the various leagues. And the last time they were in the tier in the top tier was right after World War Two. So um, most recently they were in the championship here in the early 2000s, um, but even have dropped down into uh, the fifth tier uh, as recently as a couple is a 2016. So being back up into League Two. Uh, you know, who are their players who to look look out for? Well, um, I didn't know anybody. So taking a look and going through all of them, uh, they have a, a New Zealand international. Uh, his name is Max Kukrome. Uh He is uh, and has been one of the uh, the goalies for the national team there for New Zealand. So which is pretty cool. And then they've got a couple other players who are on loan uh, right now from uh, various championship clubs. So a whole city, Preston North End and Norwich as well. Oh, and Luton, too. 
So, uh, you know, who to think what goes on? There's no names that stick out. There's no formations that stick out. And right now, the the entire goal is if if they're a nobody in my eyes, or in which I know nothing about them, well, they're probably going to shellack us like four one or something stupid like that, and with two own goals by well the Narek or something. So uh, I don't know what to think about it, but really what I hope for is an opportunity to play some players and change up the formation going into the regular season, uh, the rest of the season that is, and using it as an opportunity to hopefully treat it as uh, even if you lose and you try something out new and it helps us learn more for the future, so be it. So um, if that's a 16th team in League Two that we're playing against, uh, I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to really uh, try something out and and really go for it. Because if we can't figure out what our problems are going in for against Grimsby, then we can't figure them out and we're definitely uh, downtrodden and, and going to get relegated. Yeah, uh, predictions then. It's me to, uh, to go first on this prediction. I am going to go, I'm going to go for a Saints win. Um, I don't think that's a, that's a shock, but I'm going to go for a clean sheet as well. That would be a shock. Um, and we're going we're gonna to win 2-0. Um, oh Christ, I was going to say the same thing. You know you still uh, can, though, don't you? Because I think a lot of us are going to go for... I don't, th- I don't think anyone's going to be brave enough to go for a Grimsby win, right? Yeah, no, maybe a replay, Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, go on, I'll leave it as it is, 2-0. Yeah, I think it'll be... I think it'll be 3-1 Southampton. Okay, then, so, yeah, Leicester as well next week on Saturday the 4th of March. That's a 5.30 kickoff, and that's at St Mary's, obviously, and that's on Sky. Um, Tim, both... I wonder why that means. <laughs> don't say it. Don't even say it. I don't even. I don't even <laughs> want the jokes and the predictions. Really not. Uh, Tim, both Leicester and Saints, they're both there for the taking, right? Leicester, surely we have to be. We have to be confident going in at home against Leicester. Well, if we are going to li- listen to uh, Ruben say yes, uh, we can. All, you know, we can all say yes to his. Uh, you know, pregame speech and use it as an opportunity to run through a brick wall because. Maybe if we get that motivation, something will happen and we'll, we'll spark an interest and we'll be able to secure ourselves in going into next season. What do we think? It's Brendan Rodgers, uh, traditional 4-3-3. They've had a few new players come in that have been really helpful for this past in January. I'm specifically going to talk about Harry Suter. Um, he is basically the Australian version of Harry Maguire. I, um, just, he's much just younger. you go into Harry, so I love Harry Suter, by the way. I think he's a, he's a great player. I'd love to see him at Saints. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he he'll be in the Premier League next year with Leicester. So unfor- it's unfortunate for us. Um, but nonetheless, uh, tradition 4-3-3. Brennan doesn't change his formation up very much, but he does change his players. So we've had uh, the other player that's came in was Tete. Uh, and he unfortunately didn't seem to really have a good game. I watched the Arsenal highlights and taking a look at him and we'll look at the stats. And it was, they were pretty poor. So. Looking at all that, um, Jamie Vardy has been dropped to the bench and is now just a bench uh, player uh, for the rest of the team, being 36 years old. And passing Daka hasn't really made that yeah. uh, come on that they were hoping for. Yeah, and also, so, sorry, they've got Tillemans on the bench. They're not playing him. And no, and obviously yeah. they've got no um, uh, James Madison at the moment. So hence why mm-hmm. they're there for the taking. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So you've had a, I mean, you've got a rotation there above uh, Inunacho, Tete, and Harvey Barnes being that top three, and, and by top three, the front three. 
Uh, Wilfred Ndidi, Dennis Pratt, and Dewsbury Hall has been coming in and started a number of games for them recently. Yeah, that's your student accommodation, and then, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Wout Faze is his name. I, he, they signed him in this past yeah, you got that right. so yeah. in, in the summertime. Uh, along with Harry Suter, has been their 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 center back, uh, you know, replacing the ghost of Yannick Vestergaard, who is no uh, nowhere to be found anywhere near their front first team. So, uh, and then you've got Timothy Castagna, who Ricardo Pereira has came in occasionally for him, but Pereira, after his injuries, who was doing really really well, and then tore oh geez, I think it was tore, tore one of his knee ligaments. It's been really hard, and then Christensen on the outside. Um, and like us, I think, you know, in terms of 20, there's 20 teams in the Premier League. Uh, the 19th best goalkeeper is Danny Ward, where 20th best goalkeeper is Gavin Brazino. So <laughs> there's any, so if there's any weak link in their team, it is their keeper. So with, da- with Danny Ward. So, um, you know, who, what are we going to look for? What are we going to hope? Well, it is a 4-3-3. So the last two teams we played against are a 4-2-3-1 with our traditional 4-2-2 setup. So, how do they rotate off the ball? How do they, you know, how do they move? And who, who are we looking to possess or disp- dispossess or put the hands in to, for them to be successful? Um, well, they just recently played against Arsenal, so we can use that as an opportunity to see how they were able to dominate. There were so many different things that they had, including, you know, a, three, a, a midfield three of Jaka, Jorginho, and Odegaard, who's I mean, that's just that's ridiculously stacked compared to what any midfield that we would have a midfield three or even two uh, with uh, Ward Prowse and uh, with Lavia. So, you know, what are we looking for? What do we want to do? How do we want to attack it? Well, I think he's going to realize pretty quickly that the 4-2-2 or the 4-4-2 or 4-2-2-2 isn't going to be everything. I think he's going to start with it, but I think he will finally be willing to make the adjustments necessary, seeing that it's a different type of lineup. And they'll hope he I actually think he'll he will come and make adjustments. Whether they are successful or not, that is to be determined uh on on the pitch in a week from now. And with that said, uh, I do want to give a shout out to um a couple of the Chicago Southampton guys who are around uh, a few of us are going to meet up at 11:30 Central Time for the game uh, down at Fado's Irish Pub in River North here in Chicago. So looking forward to meeting a few a few of them since I've just established myself in Chicago. And so let's hope that we get a win, uh, which will be harder, uh, much harder than it seems. So uh, last but not least is what is our lineup? What is it going to look like? Well, um, why isn't McCarthy fit? Like, does anybody know? Like, I, at this point in time, I think he should be playing, um, if he is, because I'd rather have, be, uh, I'd rather have the 16th or 17th best goalkeeper in the league, which was McCarthy last year, compared to the 20th best goalkeeper in the league, uh, which is what we currently savage, have Savage, Tim. Uh, yes, savage. But it is an improvement, so... Um, what are we thinking about it? So Kyle Walker Peters came off the bench and he did seem like he, I don't know if he was a hundred percent or he was actually just a player that was scratched no, from the starting been, line. He's back in still. And I think he'll probably go, okay. he'll probably go from the off. I'd like to see uh, him in place of uh, Maitland Niles and, and obviously, uh, Perot at left. Yeah. So, and I think, um, going, going through that, if you've got Perot and you've got Walker Peters, you start them and, if you don't, you start Maitland-Niles and you put either Maitland-Niles on the bench or Walker-Peters on the bench. Uh, and so those are your those are your fullbacks. 
Um, you know, do you start Willie at this point? I mean, you got to start considering it because it's been it's been not so good. And then who is our center backs? Well, if Salisu's fit, you put him back in once again. Uh, unsure about exactly what's going on, um, but it, him over uh, Benarek and so Salisu and ABK, I think, are our best two. With DCC coming in as a as a close third, and Benarek as the fourth. So. Uh, I don't know, and I just I don't know what's going on with that uh, compared to which you'll uh, and I didn't mention the the Grimsby game for who are we going to start because it's going to be a crapshoot and I just hope we rotate a bunch of players because in our midfield four I would like to see uh, Lavia and uh, JWP in the center I think that's correct and I think Stu is also correct as well so the then that's with then there, there comes with Moy. So we need to attack the game, and I think Alcaraz should get the start. Um, I think he's got more uh, possession, uh, positive possession and movement going forward, where he can then play the ball as necessary. And you know, if Ward Prowse can get box to box and have more of a kind of a diamond setup where you can have. Uh, Ward Prowse sit a little bit in front of Lavia. That would be ideal. And then Alcaraz could even pop in and out um, to help out within that central midfield and Perot bombing it up down the left side. Um, and then who do you start? Well, I think you start Adams if he's fit. And then I think you still start Suleimania, um to go uh, outside of it. So if you want Tall Paul up there, uh, if Adams is still not fit, then that's what it is. But I don't think... Um, I think it won't be ideal for us to play Tall Paul against Harry Suter, who will dominate Tall Paul. Interesting. Yeah. I think if Shea is fit, I think you need to start him. Yeah. And I, I think Onuachi could be a very, very good fit off the bench. Let's let's try that. Why not? Uh, I still think you need to start Suleiman. I know he didn't play very well against um, against Leeds, but yeah, I still think you need to give him the ball because he's... He's the most exciting with the ball, in my opinion, uh, in this current squad. And I, I, st- I still think there's a lot more to come from him. Um, Kevin, predictions. You're first, mate. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I'm going to continue the trend that I bucked slightly last time and go for a one-all draw. Okay. Uh, Tim? Uh, I am going to take a 2-0 loss. Okay. How would you take that? <laughs> We have a, we have uh, with, a side of disappointment and misery. I was going to go with a, a shot of flaming vodka <laughs> uh, and and a Patsky uh, to, to, to chase it with because we just had Patsky Day here in Chicago. Believe it or not, guys, I'm going to go for a Saints win. You I, I am. I, I, I can sense another uh, uh, Chelsea game. I can feel that we're, we're going to do this. And I, I, I think... Salas is going to have to do something, right? He's going to have to attack this game regardless now because he, I think he's tried to play reserved against Leeds and it backfired. He knows he's going to be under pressure. He knows the fans are going to turn against him if they don't pick up anything from this. And I think he's going to do something about it. And what's more, Kevin, I think we're going to get a penalty as well. I think we're going to break that trend as well. And I think we're going to get our second home win of the season. We're going to score a penalty. James Ward-Prowse is going to, going to do his, his, uh, his golf celebration right in front of me. Um, and we are going to win this game 2-1. 2-1. So, Ray, you just left to go feed the cat. So if you're sniffing some catnip while you were there, <laughs> it's totally okay. Because if that's what you had to, to make this prediction today, <laughs> I, I, I I completely understand. But 
seriously, if you are predicting a win, uh, you have to question. I don't say my sanity. Yeah, my sanity is is in question. It's in question every day. But look, I'm. We have to get behind the team. We've still got time. I believe we can do this. And there's some harder games coming up. We need to take this. Yeah, speaking of Krakow, lay off the crack. I, I like it. I like it. And I hope I genuinely hope I'm wrong because I'm bottom of the leaderboard right now or yeah, close, close to it to on the it, predictions yeah. table. So everything I do is wrong. So I'm just going to predict a loss the rest of the season at this point. <laughs> so hopefully we will. Uh, win. It's got it's got it's got to come your way soon. Um, but yeah, speaking of the predictions table, then uh, Leeds game, awful predictions from the entire discord. Really, everyone went for a Saints win or a draw apart from Kevin McGee. Um, he, he also went for a 1-0 win to Leeds. So, massive move up the table for your namesake, Kevin. Um, very brave. Uh, Super 6. Uh, we had round 38, and that was won by Paul Beasley with 14 points. Uh, and round 39 is ongoing. We're awaiting the Spurs-Chelsea game and the cup final. Uh, but at the time of recording, the overall lead is Kevin Jewell on 339. Kevin, you big twat. Fantasy, fantasy yes. football. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but um, I, I felt no other option but to utilise my free hit and to switch in a lot of Liverpool, Everton, Arsenal. Wolves. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've had a couple of Arsenal players already. I, I um, did the same, Kevin, and I put Martinelli in, and he scored. So I'm uh, I'm kicking your ass this week. Actually, <laughs> I'm doing really well. Yeah, I'm annoyed that I left um, Gabriel on the bench. Uh, no, apparently he's not football. And Arsenal aren't really clicking clean sheets, and they only went and fucking did it, didn't they? Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm middling. I'm I'm always I'm already adrift uh, in the middle of uh, this table. Well, I know uh, that Tim Tim always says about the average being what it is, and then you you gauge yourself from where you are from that. So the average is 35. I want 61. So yeah. Well so please, um, you're always quick to try and scroll down the league table to find me, but I happen to move up two places this week, so fuck you. Yeah, fair play to. Um, yeah, who's your captain? Harland. I did captain. Yes, he got me just... 20 points. I know it was the it was the only one that I didn't move out. Actually, I thought no, I can't. Prowse as well. Prowse was on my bench, mm. being only playing one game. I didn't really. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Really... Just there for 10 points. Like, well, yeah, if he, if he scores and he's on my bench, it's fine, isn't it? Yeah, but my, I mean, my uh, entire midfield, i got Martinelli, who got me 10, and he's still got to play Everton. I've got Gakpo, who scored three, and he's still got Wolves. Odegaard scored three, and he's still got Everton. And Neves got two. Oh, and he's got to get a Liverpool away. But still, I think I've got a lot to come still. My entire defence has still got to play. My goalkeeper, the only one that hasn't got to play is... um is Haaland, and I put Jao Felix in because I thought he was going to score me more points with the one game uh, uh, against Tottenham than than uh, a board Prowse would have done, so. I have that work out. Uh, well, at the moment, they're playing, aren't they? But he's on two, so, yeah. <laughs> um, well, the big league is looking more as the same. Lucy Heine is uh, broken into top three again. Juan, uh, Allen and Jamie Thorpe are still top. How, how did you go, Tim? So I played my free hit because I wanted to get all the double game bonuses and right now sitting on 38 points. And so none of the players who were in those double game bonuses really made a huge difference. Oh, I bet you did. So I kept did. Which one's that? Scored. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I didn't. 
I, I don't have him. I had Odegaard, Saka, and um, and Nketiah, uh as my as my three from Arsenal. So uh, yeah. So I'd, uh, I'm I'm still sitting on 38, but looking at all of it, I still have 10 more 10 more games to go mm. because Holland is the only one in my starting lineup who is uh, a one game this week player. Interesting. I see your lineup. You've gone for the three five two, and you've got both your Wolves players on the bench. Mm-hmm. Because mm. they're weren't going to make a difference, and then we'll, and then Liverpool away. So let's hope they get. You pummeled. need Inketia to have a good game at um. Uh, against Everton because otherwise that Watkins sub wasn't a good option. Correct. Mm. Okay. Um, I got both of them. Watkins, Harland, and Ketty. That's a fun for you, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you have. Yeah. You also got Tim Ream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a uh, background. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Right. Are we ready to move on from fantasy football? Always. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, where am I? Uh, guys, are you ready for the where am I this week? Go on then. Okay, uh, Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. Um, clue number one. Let's yeah. go. Clue number one for five points. Uh, the stadium is located 103 miles from St. Mary's. Tim, Bristol City. Incorrect. Kevin. <laughs> Bristol Rovers. Yes, it's right. <laughs> Uh, Tim, that was so bloody close. Oh, that was. That doesn't count. Like, I, I mean, I'm in the same city, but damn. The thing that's, is, I done. I'd already that's... done Bristol City this season, so I thought that was going to catch you um... out. I did Ashton Gate, but yeah. Uh, name of the stadium, Kevin. Um, I don't. I don't know actually. It's the Memorial Stadium. Called like the Swarfiga <laughs> Stadium. Now, why? Why would you it's go called... with Swarfiga? <laughs> no, it is. Just a good there's brand. no, there's no uh, stadium uh, sponsorship by at all. So it's just a memorial good. stadium. Fair yeah, point. first play term. They're not, they're not, uh, they're not selling out. They're not doing that. Um, but yeah, clue two uh, for mm. four points was 80 miles west of Oxford. I'm sure Tim, you would have got it from that. You're in the right city anyway. So let's face it. Um, number three, bordered by the county of Somerset to the south and Gloucestershire to the north. Uh, and then clue four, currently competing in League One and managed by Joey Barton. Uh, number five was nicknamed the Pirates or the Gas. Yes, it is the Memorial Stadium. Kevin, that's the first five pointer you've got this season. Wow. And I, I'm, I'm interested. Did you get it because Tim said Bristol City or did you get it because I, I don't know. Why, why did you go for Bristol Rovers? I mean, it sounds the right distance away. Um, and I thought, well, if it's not Bristol... Uh, city, we need to eliminate Rovers uh, before right, we can okay. uh, start thinking. Well, I mean, directions. there's Forest Green in that direction. There's well, Swindon's not that far away either. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can start thinking like you know a different different direction. But yeah, it would be just so stupid just to come all the way back to Bristol again. So I just thought I'd get it out. Of the <laughs> well done. Ah, <laughs> uh, if it you know if, if if it had been I don't know maybe a bit more, isn't it to to. Nottingham, about 150, mm. 170 miles. And he'd have said uh, forest, I would have said county. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, right, anyway, next week uh, we've got two games. Oh, excuse me, two games to go through. We've got that FA Cup fifth round against Grimsby uh-huh. uh, and Saturday's game at Leicester. Uh, and we'll preview the game at Old Trafford. Oh, God. Uh, it doesn't get any easier, does it? But yeah, until then, up the Saints, please. Please, please, for the love of God, up the sons. 
please, 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 please. Up the Saints. Oh, nice. Lovely. Up the Saints. Up my Southampton. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.